brought to you by... For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh, really? I don't like fishing with a pole. Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. And they make you look smart. If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart Advertising Solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. Playing the fastest game in town? Welcome to the Daily Searchcast. Featuring search engine analyst Danny Sullivan. Keeping you up to speed and ahead of the game on what's happening in the search engine marketing arena. Each day, join us for a recap of the prior days happening in your world. The Daily Searchcast makes sense of industry stories and sharing off-the-cuff remarks about what happened and what may come. Guest hosts give you a closer look and keep things rolling along with questions. So tune in and keep informed on the latest from Google, Yahoo, and search ask and other search engines join us now for this edition of search cast here's your hosts good morning welcome to daily search cast today is march 6th i'm gord hodgkiss from inquiry and with me today is danny sullivan sullivan danny what's new in the search world gord new in the search world is the prize fight between microsoft and google and google's going down on the ropes Oh, well, is Google really going down? I was actually just reading through your post, and it definitely <laughs> looks like Microsoft is uh, firing shots across the bow here. Google's going, we, I thought we were all friends. I, I, I thought we could buy drinks with each other and, and do sorts of things. So um, uh, Microsoft, their, um, oh, I've got to get his, his exact title here, their associate general counsel of Microsoft uh, had a speech to the, American, the Association of American Publishers today and basically told them what, what they wanted to hear, which is, you're right, Google's infringing copyright, and they should burn in hell. Uh, I don't think he actually used the word hell, but he was not very nice about Google at all. He's, he's you know, calls them a copyright infringer, does all these sorts of things, saying that, you know, they, they just really don't want to work with content owners. And, and I'll run through. You saw the big giant post. What I did was... I said, you know, Microsoft, you're going to throw all these accusations to Google. I'm going to dissect them because a lot of them could be thrown right back at you. So the rundown, the, the main points, he says, you know, publishers, Google doesn't really create things. And we, Microsoft, we create things. We understand what it's like to have copyright and want to protect stuff because we make software and software, you know, has copyright and stuff. And so we, we understand your pain. And, and he implies that Google, of course, they don't have anything like software. They don't have any kind of content. Um, he makes one sort of a suggestion that, uh, oh, where is it here? Uh, uh, raking in billions through, uh, companies that create no content of their own. So, you know, my pushback on that is, well, Gmail, Google Calendar, Desktop, Docs and Spreadsheet, Earth, Talk, Google Toolbar, Picasa, that's all software. That's all stuff that they've actually built. It's not just, oh, we ran a spider across the web, grabbed everybody's stuff, and isn't it wonderful? They, they actually have software. So I didn't think Microsoft was so strong on that one. The other thing that really annoyed me was this idea that 
that search isn't somehow content. And I, I went back to this thing when Lloyd Braun, you remember him? He was like, We're, I'm going to create content for Yahoo. And, of course, he's not there anymore because Yahoo realized that's not quite the way for them to go. But there was this thing in 2005, he was really upset that like Yahoo News didn't have any of its own coverage of the Discovery Space Shuttle mission that was going back up after the uh, space shuttle had been grounded for so long. So he was like, we've got to get our own content. And I was saying, you know, your job as Yahoo News is to collect all the content from everybody and help me understand what people are talking about. That's why I'm coming to you as Yahoo. That, that is content. That's what you do. And it was alarming he didn't quite understand that. So this idea that, well, just harvesting and letting you search, that's not content, that eh, doesn't get me. And then it goes well, on, he's like, go ahead, go ahead, Jim. Well, exactly. And, I, you know, in this whole ecosystem, it seems like we're still struggling with the idea that, that search and, and the Googles and the Yahoos of the world are, are the connectors. And like you say, there's tons of people generating that content. Their job is to connect you to the right stuff. Exactly. And, and it is fair, you know, well known that, um, you know, in doing some of that kind of connection that they're going to, um, you know, they're going to make some money off of it. And, and, and this will get more when we start talking about ads and stuff as part of the, the Yahoo accusations. But, you know, they also pass a lot of traffic off to these sorts of people as well, as we know, as anybody who operates a site know, and anybody who complains when they get dropped by somebody like Google. Now, he, he also comes along and he says, you know, um, we're an innovative company. We're, Microsoft is an innovation company. We're working hard to develop innovative technologies, blah, blah, blah. And I, I kind of read that like, so you're suggesting that Google, you've already said, he hasn't actually named Google at this point, but you'll see that it clearly was all about Google. Um, so you're, you've said that Google doesn't do their own content, and now you're kind of suggesting that they're just sort of these uninspired people who take everybody else's stuff. And so I was pointing out that, you know, he explains that they have two main book book products out there from Microsoft now. Live Search Books, which launched in December 2006, and Live Search Academic, which launched in April 2006. Well, if that's innovative that they did stuff in, in 2006, Google Book Search started in December 2003, and Google Scholar, which is akin to Live Search Academic, started in November 2004. So they're catching up with products that are three to a year and a half old already. You know, I think Google could fairly be seen as kind of innovative as well. Then he goes on like, you know, hey, Google, Google has said they don't plan to put ads next to these book search results, but we know their job is to try to attract everybody onto free content and sell that, make money off that content by putting out ads. He quotes Pat Schroeder, who was a former chair of the association, I think, of Google has a hell of a business model. They're going to take everything you create for free and sell advertising around it. Well, you know, I could put the word Microsoft in there, and that would work as well, because as I'm pointing out, Microsoft puts ads on things. They put ads all over their search results, and they're not saying, like, they won't put ads in their own book search results thing. And it even kind of got me that when Microsoft launched their 3D versions of the world out on the mapping, you know, they've got the 3D mapping area that they uh, rolled out uh, about three months ago. They didn't just roll out a 3D world. They rolled out a 3D world with fake billboards so they could sell ads on those billboards. So it's sort of like... Microsoft, don't make me think that somehow you're not in the ad game as well. You're going to put ads wherever you can at the same time. But Well, it, you know, it seems ahead. like there's a glass houses thing here. And like you yeah. say, you know, if, if Microsoft's going to claim this territory, they better make sure their own house is clean first. And, and so what's the motivation behind this? I mean, why is Microsoft suddenly taking off the gloves and, and getting dirty? 
Well, and, and I'll get into some of this as well, too, in terms of how their house isn't in order. But the motivation here is to paint themselves as this altruistic friend of the book publishers and take Google down a notch. You know, that's, that's the primary thing here. They're playing catch-up in the space. Google has stupidly gone into this space by upsetting a lot of publishers. So it's a chance for Microsoft for once to come in and say, we're the good, good guys. We're, you know, we're the people that are going to save you from big, bad Google, when normally it's people like, we're going to save you from big, bad um, Microsoft. And one of the other things that they get into is, like, they talk about how, well, we have a publisher program, and we pull stuff in there, and, and Google instead, you know, they have some, some agreements with publishers, but they really just want to go out and take these copyrighted books and copy them without permission. And that brings up the whole scanning a book and making an index of it so that you can search. It's not necessarily the same thing as reprinting the book online, which Microsoft is not doing. And I've gone through and I've put out examples like when I was at the Frankfurt Book Fair last year that Google had a book uh, booth there. It wasn't like they were being picketed. It wasn't like advertisers were walking around throwing eggs at them. They were coming in and talking to them. Lots of publishers, hundreds if not thousands of publishers, are actually participating in Google's programs to put the stuff online, which is not something you kind of get from this speech. Uh, the, the really, what got me especially was when he comes in and says, you know, Google has chosen the wrong path for the longer term because it systematically violates copyright and deprives authors and publishers of an important avenue for monetizing their works. It's like, we have court cases going on right now to find out if they violated copyright. We don't know if scanning a book so that you can make it searchable is a copyright violation or not. Now, the, the big point where I jump in and I agree with them is I have said last year that I'm sort of in with the idea that Google really ought to not take these copyrighted books and scan them. And that's because, you know, the principle, as you know, on the web is you can opt out automatically. If you don't want your pages in a search engine, you put up your robot's text file and, the Google, you know, the search engine stay away. But you can't do that with books. You can't automatically opt out. And so maybe even if it is sort of fair use, it still doesn't fall into how we've done things online. So I'm, I'm, more, I'm more with Microsoft on that front. Um, just a couple of things, Gordon. I'll, I'll cap it off on this, this thing. But he, he gets in further on down, and he talks about how, um, I don't know if you remember, but the allegations came out in this one court case about two weeks ago where Google was, uh, uh, they had some ad reps that were suggesting for these sites that apparently, or sites that were accused of having uh, bootleg movies, that they would buy ads key to the words bootleg movie download or pirated or download Harry Potter movie. So he brings all that up like, you know, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying you, you, Google already has these things and then I'm just really disturbed that they would have ads like that as well. So um, I ran some searches on Microsoft for things like bootleg movie download and I'm getting, you know, at least one site that I'm looking at thinking, I don't know if that site, an ad that's coming up for that site, I don't know if that site's as legit as you might think. And when I, the best thing is I do the search for pirated software, and the, the ad that comes up, when I click on it, takes me to uh, just a page full of AdSense stuff. So here's Microsoft making money because someone is carrying Google ads on a page and buying traffic from Microsoft cheaper to point it over at Google where they're making money off of that than, than you know, just buying it directly from Microsoft. I'm just like, so you're, you're making money kind of off these terms and kind of off junk content as well. Uh, that house isn't necessarily in order, so. More than a little irony here. Yeah, and that's the, that was my big conclusion here was, you know, I agree with the, the fundamental point that I would like to see Google um, let people, um, I, I would like to see people, uh, I'd like to see Google let people, um, you know, only be included if the books are in copyright. 
I'm getting my else's off turnaround. Because you can't automatically check on books, it ought to be an opt-in type of thing, not opt-out. But um, the rest of the stuff is sort of like you're playing a dangerous game, Microsoft. It's, it's likely to come back at you and haunt you as people realize, well, you know, I can point some of these accusations right back at you. Sounds a little bit like what was happening with the music industry when Napster started pushing the envelope. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, moving along, we had uh, Google CEO Eric Schmidt. He was at the Morgan Stanley Technology Conference yesterday in San Francisco. Lots of stuff came out of his talk, and there's a live uh, blogging coverage. You can read about it as well. In summary, he says, we got lots of cash. we got cash coming out of our ears, and uh, we don't quite know what we're going to do with it. Um, we'll, we'll spend it on something. Maybe we need to buy some rockets or things like that. So uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. Don't worry. And then he also says, we're just at the beginning of figuring out where we're going to put out ads. You know, there's all sorts of places we can shove ads, so just hang in there. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, and, yeah, we're working with Apple on some new things. I'm not saying what they are. He's not saying what they are. We're just doing more and more things together. We, we have back massages. Sometimes we go out and we do some uh, bowling. And uh, occasionally, Jobs and I, you know, we, we, we go out for a run. I didn't say any of that part of stuff. He's just saying, in general, they're working together. And finally, he declares, yeah, well, we were arrogant. I'm, we're so arrogant, we'll tell you we knew we were arrogant. <laughs> uh, he says, yeah, we, we've done things like not work with partners like we should have been doing, which is exactly what happened with Book Search, where they should have made more overtures to the big book publishers. And uh, we didn't tell the story, and we didn't have people inside the company to talk to our partners. So could you stop calling us arrogant because we're not arrogant anymore? He didn't say that last point, but that's kind of, the, I think, the tone that's coming along with it from there. Um, Eric, you know, um, if he wants to go out and buy a new iPod from Apple, one of the difficulties he'll have is that he only gets paid a dollar per year. Larry Page yeah, you know, he's... He's hard up against it there. He is. Well, and Larry Page, Sergey Brin, it's the same. Only a dollar. Can you imagine they're going like out to dinner and it's like, oh, I, I spent my dollar for the year. Do, do you have any money, Larry? No, I, I don't have any money. And, and say they all went out to dinner with like uh, Terry Semmel from Yahoo. Well, he only, he only has like a dollar per year salary too. And Steve Jobs apparently for years has only been taking a dollar per year. Well, you know, don't cry for them. They got all that stock. So they're like, well, we don't need to have your cash. But further down the, uh, the, the food pecking line at uh, Google. And so and the, the story here is that they've sort of renewed their vow to just kind of stick with the we'll only take a dollar a year type of stuff. But further down, um, execs have all gotten raises. The top four Google executives, uh, Robert Eustace of uh, Engineering Research, Omid Kordestani from uh, Sales and Development, Jonathan Rosenberg, Product Management, and George Reyes, Chief Financial Officer, each of them got a uh, $250,000 raise, so they're now earning $450,000 per year, and they got a bonus that they all shared for $829,000. So, um, you know, probably they're having to buy lunch when they all go out. And I assume that they've also got some pretty nice stock things as well. So yeah, property out in Mountain View, Gord, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, well, you know, I guess they're not hurting that badly. Yeah, they'll, they'll be all right. Now, you know, question I have, as Google kind of moves into these new areas and that, and, and one of the things I, I wrote about is Google always kind of goes in assuming they know best and they're going to change the world by, you know, applying technology and disintermediation and that. As they move into these new areas, do they need to kind of touch base with, with the pioneers and the expert rather or in the area rather than trying to reinvent everything? 
Well, there's definitely people that they can work with and partner with. They don't always need to reinvent. And in some cases, they don't. I mean, they, you know, I mean, YouTube is a good classic example of them not sort of being able to reinvent things and, in fact, having to purchase it from outside. That's not typically how they've done it, but I'm sure you're going to see them do that more and more where it's going to be a case of, well, let's look around and see what we can find or, you know, if someone's doing it and they're doing it better, maybe we won't go. We can build it here type of route and that sort of stuff, so... Right, we'll, we'll, right. We'll, we'll see as they, so what uh, else they do we... Now, um, next thing up, Google Phone. Now, here's an example. <laughs> Why not just partner up with some phone people? We've had these rumors that Google is going to build their own phone. Um, we've had them talking with Orange. We've had them talking with Samsung. We've got stuff leaking out. This is uh, uh, Shimonov, if I'm pronouncing it right, and if I'm not, I sincerely apologize. He's got the latest stuff that's coming out. He's saying, I'm getting some stuff leaked to me that it'll be a BlackBerry-like phone. I mean, I don't know what the heck that's supposed to be, like a phone that I, has a keyboard or a phone that, I mean, BlackBerry's a smart, I mean, I, there's lots of smartphones. So anyway, running a flavor of Linux, uh, maybe Java with uh, vector stuff and uh, voice over IP and, you know, Google apps and uh, big Google logo, and it'll be in red and green and blue and other stuff like that. And then you get this screenshot, which nobody really knows. It doesn't even look like a phone to me. It looks like a tablet PC, which is maybe the phone or maybe it's not the phone. So I don't know. Hang in there. We'll see what happens. I'm not like, I'm not going to put off a purchase of a new phone because I'm thinking the Google phone's coming along. So as Google starts announcing this stuff, is this you know, kind of their way to create some buzz in Google going more into mobile computing and that, or is this them just kind of looking for one more avenue to to play in? Uh, well, I think there's some advantages if Google has their own phone, but I, it's difficult to know. It's difficult to know if they're really working on their own phone or people want them to be working on their own phone and what's being leaked out or not. There, when the orange Google rumors came out, I looked at that, and same thing with the Samsung things. I looked at it more like Google's going to, you know, bundle up their own thing on thing, their products on other people's phones. Um, it, it, to date, they haven't built any hardware other than the enterprise uh, server that they sell out there. So it would be quite a departure to start rolling that out. Of course, you know, we've been waiting for years for the Google PC to roll along with stuff as, out there as well. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it comes. Uh, let me see here. I think we should probably take a very short break. If uh, Eddie's out there and ready to go with it, we'll go to a commercial. We'll come right back. Okay, we'll be right back after this message. The Daily Search Cast. We'll be back after this short break. Stay tuned. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh, really? I don't like fishing with a pole. Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. 
and they make you look smart. If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart Advertising Solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. Just getting your feet wet on the internet? Then dive into our stream. Webmasterradio.fm We're the coolest place around. Webmasterradio.fm We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to the Daily Search Cast. Here's your host, search engine analyst Danny Sullivan. Okay, we're back. My name is Gord Hodgkiss. I'm here with Danny Sullivan. Danny, what else do you have on the slate? Uh, some quick hits here. We've got uh, Microsoft was starting to overcharge people a couple weeks ago. There was a bug. They said, yeah, we know it's a bug. Now they're issuing refunds, and some people are finding that they're getting refunds uh, in excess of what they were charged. One person saying, I got $1,400 rather than the uh, 400 that have been charged. So um, I'm sure all of you that have been overcharged will get in touch with Microsoft and tell them about their mistake. Um, or chances are you probably won't. <laughs> See how it goes with it from there. Um, other things along here, we've got... Um, uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, Google shut down their Q&A site, that uh, Google Answers service right. that was out there. A bunch of the ex-Googler Answers people are getting together, having their own site called U, like the letter U, Clue, C-L-U-E, dot com. So the researchers are getting together and seeing if they can't uh, have their own answer questions type of thing. So uh, good luck with that as you guys pull that all together. Oh, my goodness, the uh, Dave Patronak SEO thing just will not die nor go away. The contest ended. Um, I don't think he won, but then I don't think the other people thought he was going to win or going to lose. But they couldn't resist coming in and doing another thing, saying, gosh, you know, they tried to do all these things, and I'm not saying all the SEO industry people out there are stupid and suck and don't know what they're doing, but, um, you know, a lot of them are. And uh, I just want to say, here's what they did, and I don't think all this stuff is that hot. And he, he goes through and he's saying, nothing that they did was that kind of rocket science. I almost don't even want to mention the story because I feel like I've always sick of it in the first place when he did the write-up in the first place, when he doesn't really seem to understand site architecture and the real shit that you have to deal with when you have to talk to people who don't understand why their sites aren't getting listed. And I'll come back to that for you, Dave, if you just happen to be listening. But I still have really got to get together that special panel and just say, all right, Dave, come on, sit on the panel, do a site clinic for an hour, take questions live, and let's just see what you think, if it is not rocket science or if at least is a little harder than you make it out to be. Hey, but I'm biased. I think he's wrong. So have you sent the invite to Dave? Now, I've got to go and look at the schedule again and see if I can do it. So uh, it's, it's hard because I already had people on the site clinic that were already set, and then I would have to kick them off. And I wanted to see if I could get Jason Calacanis to come out for it as well. Uh, but I just might settle with Dave. <laughs> and let him go I think at there'd it. be more but, than enough volunteers to uh, to throw questions at Dave or comments. So I don't I, think I, that I'm would be a problem. I'm not even talking a setup. I'm not even talking like rigging the deck. I'm just saying as somebody who has had to sit on those kind of panels before and, and experience them and watch people deal with it, I know that it's not, oh, I wanted to trick the search. It's, it's like these incredibly odd questions that you would have never thought somebody would have a problem with with search engines, and they do. 
and it turns out that actually there's some real skill and knowledge that you need to have in SEO to say, oh yeah, what's happening to you? I understand that that you know I understand why all your pages listed disappeared. It's not that they disappeared out of Google. It's because Google's having a bug over here at the moment. But you don't know that because you're not regularly in the SEO industry. But I do know that because that is what I'm regularly keeping up on. But if you didn't know that, you might start changing your site all around when you didn't have to. Not rocket science. It's being educated, but it's not just commonplace education. So I'll, I'm just going to try to make it happen, see what I can do to, to get it together. Because to, I will agree with Dave that the whole contest and ranking for somebody's name was stupid. And at the same time, one of his chief critics, Greg Bozer, also agreed that it was a stupid thing to be doing. So, you know, I think a, a real site clinic thing, that's, that's a much better way to uh, take a look and see what, what's likely to be happening. Well, Greg Bozer said it was stupid, but he also he also participated, and actually he took a very clever angle because it was yes. not about technical tricks. It was about finding an innocent bystander, another yes. Dave Pasternak, and using that kind of buzz for his entry, which I thought was very clever on Greg's yeah. part. No, so, I mean, he, he thought it was, was stupid at the same time. He was clearly ticked off enough with Dave to say, oh, what the hell, I'll throw a swipe in at you anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And you know what? He had a lot of movement on the Google data centers. He came pretty close to uh, to being number one by the time yeah, the contest Yeah, he, he almost got there. Yeah. So um, uh, a couple other things. Uh, Pandia, they've uh, rolled out their own new custom search search engine for people who want to just find search uh, engine information. They've compiled a, a list of a bunch of top blogs that are out there, excuse me, in sites, so that when you do your search, you can go out there and just hit information from those sorts of places. They call it the Pandia Search Engine Detective. Right. And uh, Pandia.com, and I think they've got links that are going out to it from there. As always, DailySearchCast.com, find today's episode, and then you'll find links to everything I'm talking about. I apologize to the chat room. I can't get in there again. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. I've got to start logging in, I guess, 15 minutes early because we're, we're getting so many people that I think it's hard for me to pop in as well. Now, uh, speaking of things being rocket science or whatever, the uh, Meta Robots tag, I've put up a sort of 101 guide to how it works because we had Yahoo roll out new support for uh, the Meta Robots tag, a way for you to say not to put on Yahoo titles and descriptions when you listed at Yahoo. And that kind of made me think, oh, I need to go back and look at this for a long time. I, I haven't kind of revisited the whole issue over there. And you, you suddenly realize, well, there's all sorts of questions. Well, if you have all these different things you can do with the Meta Robots tag, such as tell Google not to archive a page, but tell um, Yahoo that you don't want them to use the Yahoo description, or you can tell all of them not to use the ODP description. There's all these different values, and how do you properly format them? And when you do format them, do you separate them by commas? Do you have to separate them by commas with spaces? And Oh, gosh, it just took me back to 1997. It really did. So uh, <laughs> now you can go and you can read. Um, this, this came off of a Google Webmaster Central post that Vanessa put up there where she was answering a lot of these sorts of questions out there for people. I had also asked Yahoo and Microsoft the same sorts of things, so I put all three of them together. So big table. I think the most interesting I, thing I found was that for example, if you don't want to have your pages cached, there's a command you can use. Ask Google, Yahoo, I'll use the same one, and then Microsoft has their own. So there's one of those complexities you already need to know. You might have thought, I'm just doing what Google tells me to do. No, it doesn't apply to all the search engines. You've got to do two different types of things. So lots of questions being answered on that. Great. Uh, Neil Patel in our Let's Get Social column today out at Search Engine Land talks about buttons, buttons, buttons everywhere. Don't put them on your site. 
And then this is, you know, how everybody's having all these little buttons to dig your content here and Reddit your content there and get your stuff on Netscape and do all those sorts of things. And then he's saying, you know what, don't put all those buttons out there. It, 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 you really want to think about which particular service you want to promote your story on, see if it's going to go live at a particular place, and then uh, get your get people directed to vote on that. So rather than say, put this on Dig, put this on Delicious, do this other type of thing. And I... And, and to me, he's the master there, although I have kind of a mix. I use, um, with FeedBurner, um, it inserts these um, links for you automatically, and they're fairly small. And what I found was, you know, if there's somebody on Delicious, which is a bookmarking service, they might actually just want to use the link, not because they're trying to promote me, but it was helpful for them. I had somebody say, you know, I use FARC all the time. Or no, he uses FURL. So he was like, I really want you to have a FURL link there. So the... I have a bunch of links that are on every page that are very small and subtle, and I'm kind of comfortable with them. But what I did do was start experimenting with putting those big dig buttons up there, which, of course, have been useless to me now because I continue to be buried on every story that we have out there. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll get rid of them with it from there. What I, what I liked about those sorts of buttons is it made it very easy for people to, to do the voting without having to go in and start picking up the, uh, the sites that are out there. But I was also kind of with what Neil has always said in, in this sense of you don't want to put all the buttons in those places because, you know, down the line, a lot of it doesn't really have to – a lot of it doesn't sometimes seem to have much to do with you're just going to have random visitors submitting for you and it will just happen. And it seems to be much more of what he's saying is, you know, you've got to think about the story. You've got to try to position where it might go to the service and then see if you can enlist your readers to help you go, go good on the big stories out there. Right, right. So – Put some thinking behind the targets that you're aiming yeah. for. Okay. I was having a lot of fun today too because I, you know, that big thing I did on Microsoft. I thought, now I know that somebody out there, Dick, just keeps burying every story from our site for the past like four days now. But this one, this one that's like kind of sticking up for Google, I thought well, maybe that'll survive, and it hung in there for like an hour until it just got knocked down with it from there. But that was an example of where you might want to target. I, I think Dig people have a real big reputation for. You know, we just love Google, and anything that's pro-Google, we'll go for. So I thought, oh, maybe that one will have a chance, maybe it will survive. But nah, it didn't. Yeah. Well, it did for a while. <laughs> now it has. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, um, ProNet, uh, another thing that came off of, um, this is from ProNet Advertising, uh, talking about StumbleUpon, and this is from Mousseline over there. And a really, really good observation. StumbleUpon, of course, is another one of these social sharing services. And it says, you know, what I find at StumbleUpon is that, Stories there aren't driven because they're in the news, but because they're good content and because they, um, they, they, they may be everlasting or evergreen. So he talked about how he's getting some stories that are coming up from, say, November 10th, 2003. That's a current hot story I'm stumble upon. And it's funny because at this time I'm looking at my stats and I'm seeing some stories I wrote from like two months ago suddenly take off again. And so his point there kind of goes back to what Neil was saying earlier, that different social networking services or social sharing services may have different things. And one of the things that people at StumbleUpon may be looking for is not what's the latest, greatest type of thing, but what's some good content that's going to help me regardless of, of whenever it was written. Right, right. So, again, just thinking about the property and the audience they tend to cater to. Yep. A few last things. Uh, New York Times had a big article yesterday about the uh, growing number of companies that are trying to connect uh, online, offline shopping. So the idea is that you can go online, find out who has the thing in an actual store, and then go over there and buy it. So you're getting more uh, connections along those lines. And so it's just sort of a nice rundown. You want to take a look at it from there. Um, oh, 
died, died. Oh, over at uh, Microsoft on their virtual Earth blog, <laughs> it now appears to be down. But when it wasn't down, they uh, had this really nice post where they talked about 10 ways to kind of, um, uh, it's called the 10-minute map, and they talked about things you can do. Oh, here, now it's come back up for me again. It talks about unknown features in live maps. And, and, and they are, without a doubt, one of my favorite mapping services, and I love them doing this sort of thing because there's really good stuff you can do that you can go through and, and create a collection of icons or items on a map you can share that. You can't do this with Google. You know, you can't say, well, here are 10 different random spots I've picked, and I've linked them to photos, and I've linked them to hyperlinks. You can't do that kind of thing, and it's just really great. And you can share that kind of stuff with other people. So, yeah, it's definitely well worth checking out. There's a lot of cool things you can do. When I was doing my travel log, I was using their maps to kind of guide where I was going. Yeah. Uh, a few more last things. I'm just going to run through on the uh, – these are all these sort of lap, uh, on map types of things. Uh, Bill Slosky did a rundown. He kind of created what he calls a Google local search glossary, talking about things like looking through patents and other information about Google local and how they work, how Google local may be looking at things like authoritative documents or doing histograms or document segmentation, just stuff that you may hear about if you're trying to think about local search a lot more. And, uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to cap it off here. This was just great. Uh, this came from Understanding Google Maps and Yahoo Local Search. And apparently there's a, one particular search where if you're doing this, this, this small business comes up, or you get these two phone numbers, one that comes up for this small business in Sherman Oaks, and for some reason another number from a woman who just happens to be near the business comes up. And uh, so a lot of people are calling this poor, apparently older woman asking her for technical support. She's like... We've we've explained to her our business doesn't control the information that Google's putting out there for for her, but um, they you know it's hard for her to understand. It made me feel sad. Come on, Google, somebody go take a look at that and see if you can see if you can fix it and help them with it from there. You know, the, that lady doesn't want any more problems like that. Don't know why right. it doesn't work. So um, thanks, Danny. Uh, that. Yeah. Uh, that oh. wraps up SearchCast for today, uh, Tuesday, before March sixth. Before before you send us on our way, Gord, I have to do a programming note. Um, oh, okay. There is no daily SearchCast tomorrow. I am off to Berlin, and um, so we're just going to take the day off entirely, and then I will be back uh, on Thursday. All right. Well, then tune in Thursday for the next daily SearchCast. Thanks again, Danny. Thank you. All right. The Daily Searchcast is produced and sponsored by WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Looking to boost your competitive edge, your bottom line, network with your peers? Then stay tuned into WebmasterRadio.fm, where you can listen live or in podcast format to our award-winning exclusive radio shows hosted by the most respected names in the Internet world. Friday, March 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Join us for another WebmasterRadio.fm town hall meeting featuring RevenueDirect.com. That's the RevenueDirect.com town hall meeting. Friday, March 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. WebmasterRadio.fm, putting you in the front row with unprecedented access to everyone you need to know. Log in now.